So moving on to our topic discussion today, it's about artificial intelligence and the role that Islamic law might play in this particular um, realm. It's something that's developing and the question comes, well, why does Islam, or what role does Islam and Islamic law have in all of this? Um, for me personally, those who don't know what artificial intelligence really means, it's basically utilization of data to make decisions that humans would normally make. Mm -hmm. And that is actually, um, for example, things like driving and making a decision when to turn or how to avoid collisions, etc., etc. Over time that happens. Now, um, if you would kind of give your perspective as to the issues that arise when you think of artificial intelligence, I would love to hear that. Bismillahirrahmanirrahim. Um, I begin in the name of Allah, the gracious, the most merciful. I first, first of all, I want to say that let's get something uh, out the way, and, 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 and it's something that people may have certain doubts on. Islamic Islam believes, Islam propagates that all knowledge disseminates from God. It comes from Allah. Allah is the source of all knowledge. Um, and therefore, and Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala in the Holy Quran says, Allam al-insana. He is the teacher of insan. Allam al-insana ma'alam ya'alam. That which he does not know. So we, we find that within the course of history, uh, since the beginning of Islam and until today, uh, technology has advanced in uh, unprecedented ways. And uh, with, with AI, it's no exception. Let me, uh, let me give you a couple of examples. Um, they say that when TVs were introduced, um, many of the scholars uh, thought that uh, there was a gin inside that box, the TV box. Remember our TVs were like a you know, big box. Right. And, uh, and then they kind of evolved and said, okay, well, um, there was, it took a long time. I don't want to talk about the history of Islam and TVs, but it took a long time for scholars, whether Sunni scholars or Shia scholars, to come to an understanding and accept this new reality, this new normal with where people are. Same goes, same goes with radios. Um, you know, for a long time, buying a radio in some of the holy uh, lands, some of the, mm -hmm. some of the, uh, you know, uh, sorry. Yeah, so if you tell us how it is that AI is going to serve your field, how, it's, how, is, how is it going to make things easier for you, how is it going to make things easier for physicians and hospitals and uh, medical researchers, what I want to say is it should do the same for the religious uh, circle. I, I, think, I think there's a, uh, um, an assumption here that this is going to make it easier. And I'm, uh, I would be a little more cautious about that because it's going to make our lives equally easy and difficult because of this new technology, as, as, as all other tools tend to do anyway, right? Um, you know, anything you can think of, use for good, use for bad. Well, this is no different. So, so as a doctor, perhaps I can utilize the data to deliver better treatments to know what works, what doesn't, because any one doctor has only the experience of a handful of his patients, they can say, well, I always do this, it works right. But if you look at the whole 
community of, of physicians doing the same thing. It may not be panning out quite right. It may be a bias. So perhaps it'll help me make better decisions. On the other hand, the issue is that it's not necessarily helping me make decisions. The idea is it's making the decisions automatically and pushing it into an algorithm. And that worries me a little bit. That's number one. Um, you know, we, we talked about uh, an example of that, right? <clears throat> if you think about it, that, that if you, let's say, if you let a computer make a decision, or an AI model make a decision about who gets a ventilator when they're deathly ill, and you say, well, there's an 18-year-old and 80-year-old, all other things being equal, who should get it? Well, it would be reasonable, many doctors would say, well, if all other equal, give it to the 18-year-old because of the number of years of life potentially saved, right? Okay, well, now you put that uh, teaching aspect in that, well, look for a greater number of lives saved, or life years saved, mm -hmm. right? Well, now you get another scenario where you get two individuals exactly the same age, 35 years old, all else being equal, except their race. One is white, one is black. And, and if you let the algorithm run based on that, it may give us answers we're very uncomfortable with. For example, let's say, well, uh, COVID tends to affect uh, blacks a lot worse and actually makes them sicker and higher mortality compared to the white. So should you automatically just keep the ventilators for the white? These are very, very uncomfortable questions. And they're no less uncomfortable when we have to deal with it ourselves. But suddenly it's a computer that's doing this for you uh, makes okay, me I, quite cautious. I, uh, I understand where you're coming from. Look, <coughs> let me pose a couple of scenarios mm -hmm. of how I understand AI is, uh, is going to revolutionize uh, different fields of uh, working environments. There are statistics that by 2070, and this is, I believe, done by Oxford and Cambridge and very prestigious universities, that, uh, for example, veterinarians uh, will, 90% of their work will be done by uh, a the computer. Same thing goes for physicians. You know, diagnosing uh, mm -hmm. uh, 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 an illness uh, would, will be much easier. Now, but I want to kind of focus on a particular uh, field. Let's let's take let's let's kind of zoom in and say um, you're getting married to somebody, okay, and you give them your DNA and your potential wife's DNA. Now, with artificial intelligence, they'll be able to tell you um, a lot about your children. Whether they're going to be, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, whether they're going to be most likely, more likely to be obese, more likely to be uh, very smart, how tall will they be, what is their skin color, what is their eye color, and so on and so forth. This in itself then can allow you to plug in uh, the knowledge that you have, and, and that's the aspect they're working on now. The first, as I explained it, is already being done, is how then I can, before this child is born, can kind of make sure that they don't, you know, we can, we can, we can change the laziness and the, the weight and the, 
and the high and, and all that, the tendencies that may come with those two individuals who are getting married. This in itself will revolutionize uh, you know, the way that we create families. And of course, I believe in the religion of Islam. Islam is not against you know, perfecting situations for yourself to have uh, more, you know, uh, uh, to have, for example, uh, better kind of offsprings. Now, this is one scenario. How do we do this? How do we take this model? Because this is as advanced, at least from my understanding, as AI has gone within the medical field. Now, that's one picture of hundreds of different pictures. How do we take this and bring it to religion and say, there's something that's revolutionizing the medical field. Uh, I met with a friend of mine, I mean, our mutual friend, uh, last week. And he said, he looks at data from uh, dentist, dentist, dentist schools. They could be hundreds of thousands, I don't even know. I mean, he didn't give me a number, but I mean, imagine if every dentist in the United States is kind of plugging in some sort of data, right? Now, what he does is he comes and he looks at all this data, not for a day or two or, or a month, but he looks at it for, let's say, five years, right? They examine this very thoroughly, and they come back to you and they say, you as a dentist should, not, should, should no longer be prescribing this particular medication. Why? Especially to people between the age 70 and 80, because of those results. So you look at the results, it's, you know, speaks volumes. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Now, if we have such data available that's revolutionizing the, the, the healthcare in terms of, you know, creating families and children, in terms of, of looking at data and trying to eliminate certain decisions and perfect certain decisions, what we're trying to look at here is how can we apply that to religion? How can we make, make, it, make it as accessible, as relevant, if as uh, of service to religion? If I may, I don't necessarily think that data, well, there's a couple of things. In sure. I speak only for the medical part, right? Okay. Um, when it comes to when it comes to uh, putting together data, and because this is kind of what the research is, I think I think the AI aspect of it is is where it automatically makes some decisions for you, and that piece is where it gets dicey. Data, that's great. Having more data to make decisions and seeing that it pan out, that's a that's a perspective or retrospective clinical trial. But let me also warn you that more data is not always good. And, and you may say, how could that possibly be? Well, let's say in a previous time, we did not know what gender your unborn child was, okay. or what chromosomal structure your unborn child had, or what facial or spinal anomalies your child. Now with all this data, now it begs the question of, of picking and choosing the characteristics that you and your spouse want. And, and that means abortion, that means um, some very, very difficult decisions. So just, you know, data is one thing. Maybe letting it, now if it was AI, it would be like making that decision that like, 
uh, well, because that is that, you therefore must abort. Having it make that decision for you, as in what you human would go through the process, yeah, sure. is, is where it becomes really dangerous, potentially. Okay, we're, we're, we're very far away from, like, let's say there's a pregnant woman that shows up at a hospital and she has this child with a bunch of disformalities and diseases and what have you, and the AI just aborts the child. Right. But let me let me kind of turn the table here and say hypothetically, uh, you live in you you're a doctor in, in some very remote village, okay, in, in 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 America, okay? Because I know some doctors have actually told me that they've done a residency in, in very like small towns where there were the only physicians, right? Mm -hmm. Now this could be not the case now. No, yeah, it still is. It's still it's like a rural area. Let's yeah. say in 5,000, 10,000 people, whatever, and, mm -hmm. and you're the only doctor there. Now, uh, a Muslim woman comes to you and she says, you know, I need to get uh, my medical examination, my physical, whatever. If we have data that, that tells us by that female, by you as a Muslim doctor or a female Muslim, uh, uh, refraining from seeing a male doctor in that particular city, uh, uh, you know, death rates go up, uh, maybe cancer is now more prevalent within our community, diabetes is more prevalent in our community, or whatever disease. I mean, I'm not an expert in those names, I'm sure you are. Uh, now this data is given to a scholar. And the scholar says, well, at this stage, I permit the Muslim doctor to do the examination for, 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 for Muslim woman. And I also permit Muslim woman to go and get checked with uh, a, female, a male doctor. Why do I say this? It's because once I have two equally capable physicians, I should be going to a male doctor, right? And my wife should be going to a female doctor, giving birth, for example. You have two capable physicians, uh, and I don't know, I, I, I could be wrong, but I think once you told me that it is, in some cases, proven that female doctors are <laughs> yeah, actually... Uh, are, that, are, that's are, right. Uh, what you're referring to is actually interesting, that uh, they did, they tried to figure out, well, who, what makes a really smart doctor, what, in terms of good outcomes, in the emergency room specifically, and that's what I am, right? Emergency room doctor. So we said, Right, so I'm looking at uh, whether they went to Ivy League or whether they went to <clears throat> had certain characteristics. The only thing that panned out was that if you were a female, you were likely to have, if you had a female doctor, you had a likely have much better outcome wow. for your patients. Okay. Why is it? I don't know. Some people suspect that, that women won't jump to the more aggressive interventions as quickly will try and have to be more patient. Perhaps there's a lot of theories behind yeah. uh, uh, that. But yes, so, I so so basically without that data, a religious authority, whether it's a marja or, or, or a council or whatever it may be, mm -hmm. uh, can I make such a decision that you know now it is with all this data, let's say with all this data available, uh, hypothetically, uh, you have prostate cancer. If we have we collect data from all uh, men who are in the age of of of, of you know where they're suspected to have uh, 
prostate cancer, or they do have prostate cancer, hypothetically, okay? This is very far-fetched. And the data shows that female doctors can basically uh, treat prostate cancer, and this is global data, right, for five years, prostate cancer better than male doctors. Then the religious verdict has to shift and say, no, you no longer now. So that's what you're saying then is, is that you can take the AI development, both data collecting as well as algorithm and yes. together and, and really utilize it in how the leaders advise the followers in, in the religious realm. That's kind of where we're heading to. Yes. Which brings the other question is that is that can an AI then replace some Amaraja, for example? Does that even come remotely yeah, with the realm of possibilities? We're not, we don't mean this in a disrespectful way, I'm sure. sure. We don't I, I, don't. I don't mean it in that way. I'm, I'm sort of You're thinking understanding how that whole process works. Absolutely. Um, and you know, there was a time when, uh, when this discussion was being held and saying, can women even become much dead? Uh, this, this really was a legitimate discussion people had. So now we're past that, obviously, we know that women, uh, in their essence, have the power and ability to become fuqaha and mujtahid and derive Islamic law, just like a man can. Then the discussion came, well, can they be judges? Then the discussion came, can they be maraja? Yet, we, we still have a variety of opinions on this. But, you're right in bringing up this question in terms of the future. Today, this sounds very strange, but five, ten years from now, uh, 20 years from now, there could be a possibility of that happening. Not per se a merger, mm -hmm. but it could make decision-making for Maraja or a council of Mujtahids much easier and simpler. I'll give you an example. I mean, this has already occurred. Uh, we have traditions, we have hadiths that say, begin your, uh, your food with salt and end your food with salt, mm -hmm. right? Mm -hmm. So, uh, now, you're a doctor, what do you think? Should I begin my food with salt and end my food with salt? Absolutely not. Okay. What, what, what damage could that do to me? Okay. The, uh, the worst is, in today's world, is the excessive salt leading to high blood pressure and heart disease. Okay, now, imagine you have uh, three, t three meals a day, mm -hmm. and you're taking a good number of salt uh, six times a day because it's before and after. Obviously, you're damaging your, your body, right? Mm -hmm. Another is drinking water. As a physician, uh, is drinking water good for you or is it bad for you? Drinking water is good for you. Very good. But we have, now, let's look at traditions. We have two traditions. One that says start with salt and end with salt, and you're saying that's bad for you. And one says do not drink a lot of water because that's bad for you, but you're saying drinking water is good for you. And this is proven, right? Mm -hmm. Okay, so how do we, is Islam against science? Is it against medicine? Is it out of date? Absolutely not. We come and look at the circumstance in which the, the Imam told people not to drink a lot of water. And then you tell me if he was giving the right advice or the wrong advice. If you have to leave the bathroom at 2 a.m., walk 20 minutes until you get to a bathroom, how likely is it that you're going to end up going to a bathroom? Not likely, especially if you're a woman. 
So you're going to hold it in from dark when it gets dark. Like for example, right now it gets dark around uh, uh, eight, yeah. and it gets lit around uh, uh, seven, right? So imagine you end up going to the bathroom from eight a.m. to seven a.m., eight p.m. to seven a.m., eleven hours. You're holding it in. In that case, what's advice? What advice would, would you give? Would you give limit your fluids? Exactly, right. limit your fluids because the damage could be worse. And right? if you have somebody sweating it out in the desert, losing all your electrolytes, it makes absolute sense to have that extra salt. Okay. Yeah, absolutely. So now let's come to uh, not even you know fourteen hundred. For that matter, by the way, dates. Yes. You know we're. Uh, this but just I think, I think it's not as clear yeah. as far as the salt one. No, but 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 there is yeah, something so, so to consider. We need to we need to clarify what, what the salt issue is. The salt issue is 1400 years ago, not even 1400 years ago, 400 years ago, people were galloping on their horses and trotting and sweating in, in the desert. So then you explain to us what that means and why you need salt. Yeah. You you're gonna you're gonna lose your electrolytes. And if you're just replacing it with water, which most people just do, without anything else in it, you're going to dilute out. Your sodium is going to get lost. You'll get muscle cramps. You'll get uh, confusion. You'll end up in, in a shock. Okay. So before we move on to whatever you wanted to move on, now what 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 the idea is is that side data mm. help us change our fatwas. Mm. So today the scholars are not telling you to not drink a, a lot because today you get up from your bed and you go to the bathroom. So things have mm. changed, times have changed, data tells us mm. that we can change the Islamic verdict. Now if you like you went to Hajj and there was no bathrooms and whatever, obviously I always hear now doctors telling people limit your consumption of food and drinking and whatever because you know access to the bathroom is very difficult. Uh, thing since you since you mentioned it, the whole idea with the dates is that there is such a high amount of diabetes and obesity within within most Western communities that it makes sense not to have excess in dates and things like that or for that matter any other concentrated sweets uh, when you have a tendency to go down that path. This specifically applies, I'm really talking about diabetics, mm -hmm. who, who kind of say, well, you know, um, this is perfectly good now. For most other people who depleted calories, it, it certainly makes sense. But it's to be reconsidered and rethought that it's for specific populations. Mm -hmm. So, interesting conversation. We've got a few minutes. Uh, I, I want to bring up something um, that could be interesting. Mm. Uh, there will be a time and I don't know how, how, you know, is it five years from now, ten years from now, that uh, people will not get married based on their parents or even themselves making a decision for them. Like that hasn't happened already. No, I mean, you're not the one making the decision. Oh, and you are your parents. Exactly. Oh, that's and true. I will make them. We'll make the decision. I'd rather have my parents make the decision. <laughs> yeah, I can hear them. No, let's listen. Let's listen. Oh, this is God. how they pitch it. They say that. It's like a dating site uh, tagline, you know, we'll match you up. I don't uh, think so, just like here it comes. <laughs> so this is how they describe it. They say, since you're born, not me and you, but our children, since they were born, everything they did is basically logged online. Every website, every email, every music, every everywhere they have gone, what they enjoy, what they dislike. 
So the internet knows them better than they know themselves, better than me and you know our children, right? The internet knows them very well. It also knows this other young woman who it's kept, you know, she's now 18, 20 years old, 25 years old. Now AI comes and says, Hassan, get to know Mario. And you're saying, no, there's no way. <laughs> and it's telling you, no, give it a shot. So you give it a shot and you're like, wow. This is, and I'll give you an example. It's like we tried to make it to a fire dinner after the show, and uh, Waze tells us, make a right. And you're like, oh, I live here. I'm not going to make a right. I'm going to make a left. You make a left, and there's, there's something, right? Yeah. And you don't make it to your fire, and you're hungry. And next time when Waze or, or app, uh, Maps or whatever tells you make a left, you make sure you make a left, right? Right? So imagine if there is going to be hundreds of thousands of, of marriages based on AI that are successful. Then you're going like, oh my God, I am... Like, All right. So how is that bad? Why is that bad? Because when, it, it's very simple. It's when the AI starts pulling out people of different religions and stuff for you to go date because the chances of you actually going through a successful marriage will be a lot higher if you go ignore the religion issue. Suddenly, think about it. This is this is. I wonder if, they would, if it would do that. I wonder well, if it would do that. I think it would because I don't think so because part of our comfort, part of compatibility. I'll, I'll actually go as far as saying this. It will probably suggest the same person, same religion, same school of thought. I don't know about the same background, depending on how it is. Do you want traditional? Do you want somebody who is koja like yourself? Or do you want somebody who, no, you don't mind? That depends on you, but but algorithm knows that about you. Mm -hmm. The computer knows that about you. Anyways, it's an interesting thing. Now, now the question that arises for the future ulama, for our malaja, when a millennial, you know I gave a speech last year in Maharam called when a millennial becomes a malaja. It's mm -hmm. going to be a completely different form of giving fatwas. Really, I mean, imagine... They're going to be doing it from the parents' home. Imagine, imagine today... It's, you it's have, all, the, all, the, all the stereotypes we have of the millennials. <laughs> no, no, but, but the, the concept is when millennials or Gen Z's become malaja, you know, there's going to be major decision-making in terms of gender, you know. Mm. Uh, for example, I'll, I'll, I'll be very quick, I know we're kind of running out of time. Let's say somebody changed their gender. Right? And this is happening every day. We hear about this every day. Change their gender. Now, uh, do you let them into the woman section, men section? You're a scholar. They come to you and say, marry me. I used to be a man. Now I'm a woman. What do you do? All those questions. Where do you bury them? Do you bury them as men? Do you bury them as women? Their inheritance. That, that is going to be actually the marja'iya, millennial Gen Z's having mm -hmm. to make such decisions. Having to make decisions on AI. You know, uh, let's say I want to make uh, uh, an app that's going to make it easier for kids uh, to get married and to me. Can I spy on them? Is this spying moral? Is it immoral? Where do I draw the line? I think, I'm glad this conversation started, but it's certainly Not the tip of the iceberg mm -hmm. because you can imagine, uh, do we have questions that are coming in? Or? Okay. But you know what we, what we should do? I think we're almost at the end. We're actually, past the time. We have, no, we have, uh, we have like about, about five minutes that we were supposed to take questions. Yeah, I think uh, we're, okay. okay. Yeah, yeah. So here's, here's the other part of it, uh, while we're at it. Um, I do have two questions for you, though. For, for, those who are for those who are listening, 
Um, you know, look, this is not a uh, one-sided or two-people discussion. This is truly a multi-pointed um, discussion here, and it needs to be that way for us to know what to discuss, uh, what, you know, we can come in with our biases, our thoughts on what it is, but what it means to you may be very different. And without your input, it will be very difficult for us to be able to, to incorporate that into the necessary discussions that are going to happen over the next few years. So please join us, give, um, give your opinion through uh, questions, through comments, and call us because we'll, we'll set up a me mechanism by which we can take messages. And yeah, absolutely. We'll, we'll I think people were kind enough to even uh, email us uh, yeah. and, and send us some comments and whatever. We're trying to kind of figure out this technical difficulties. We'll get it done 100% by tomorrow. We've actually been working since 4 a.m. yesterday until literally just before the show and everything was fine, but again, we had a follow-up. So my question to you before we conclude, according to the data and algorithm and the AI, the best restaurant for Iftar in Houston? Um, that depends on your spice tolerance, which <laughs> needs to be taken into consideration. And that proves that uh, the AI just is, after all, made by the human and will be deficient in so many ways unexpectedly. Okay, but you still have to answer my question. Mm. All right, so my, my um, I think for, for American food, uh -huh. like burger steaks, okay. it is, is Niners Grill, that's in Chicagoland area. Uh -huh. For, if you want to get really expensive ones, there's other options. Uh, there is a Brazilian steakhouse in Montrose that's outstanding. That would be worth considering. And and for Indian food, oh boy, there's so many choices. I'd say Agnes is a good. Is yeah, it's I've, heard, yeah. I've heard Agnes is actually better than what you would get in Karachi. I'm not sure how true that is, but I saw a documentary also. Well, it, it's, it's much less likely to give you uh, GI issues. <laughs> I've tried. I've tried uh, quite. You know, it's been a month, but I've tried quite a number of, uh, of of restaurants. But I certainly do look forward to spending uh, some more time at different uh, restaurants and kind of try, trying out the different. Because there's hundreds of restaurants in Houston. Mm -hmm. It take years to kind of cover. What are your kids like? Uh, I think uh, all you know different kinds of food. And they can tolerate spice. No, unfortunately, <laughs> only one of them can. Uh, I, I, and him actually uh, do uh, do uh, have uh, you know a tolerance for spicy food, but the rest of them don't. <clears throat> but again, I mean, all kids like uh, burgers. the burgers and steak and and, and, and yeah. So, so uh, that if you, you guys have uh, you got a group of people who are sitting there hungry <laughs> to begin with, it, not totally. But remember, New York is already breaking their fast, so we're. <laughs> There, okay. this we're just making California yeah. suffer. Yes. But yeah. we're going to wrap up. Um, yeah. you know, if, can you share the email address for people to uh, what is this? Houston yeah. Islam? It's uh, info at HoustonIslam.org. It said .com, which will also go there, but preferred as HoustonIslam.org. Info at HoustonIslam.org. We'd love to hear from you. Thank you very much, Dr. Hassan. It was a pleasure. Thank you.